This podcast is brought to you by RMA, the Risk Management Association. RMA's sole purpose is to advance the use of sound risk management principles in the financial services industry. Learn more at rmahq.org. Welcome to Risk Management Association's podcast series. I'm Linda Tuck-Chapman, CEO of Third Party Risk Institute. I'm a practitioner, an advisor, an educator, and RMA's third party risk management subject matter expert. Today's podcast is called Solar Winds, a chilling story about the importance of effective third party risk management. Solar Winds is a mega cybersecurity story that was birthed by deficient third party risk management practices. Now, it took me quite some time to shape this very complex story of third, fourth, and fifth party risk into a concise account. So, if you're not familiar with Solar Winds as a story, it's a mega breach and the most sophisticated hack ever. The source of the hack is malicious code that has been uh, named Sunspot by security professionals. It opens a hidden backdoor in a SolarWinds product called Orion. According to public sources, Orion is a network monitoring software that has been installed in over 300,000 organizations around the world. Now, I was reading an article written by Krebs on Security. It's a very, very good site. It's KrebsOnSecurity.com. He says that recent technical analysis by CrowdStrike shows that hackers gain access to SolarWinds software development environment as far back as September 19, uh, September 2019, without tripping any alarms or alerting Orion developers. And there's some question it might have actually been earlier than that. Hackers then spent months perfecting a Trojan before releasing it into the Orion product, which was done as early as February 2020. The code slipped by security controls in many, and in fact, many untold numbers of organizations around the world as part of an update to Orion software, and it did not trip any alarms when it was doing it. When the Orion software was uploaded, which appears to have occurred at least once between February 2020 and when patches were deployed by SolarWinds in December 2020 to prevent it, the target organization's defenses, which could be your firm, were breached. Then the Trojan simply waits, and it waits uh, until uh, someone in IT accesses specific elements of Orion's source code, which they need in order to bring it into your, your system. The Trojan then allows hackers to gain access to your systems and networks, infiltrate mail, email servers, steal protected data in both in-house data sources and in the cloud. And according to CrowdStrike, it replaces source code files during the build process while avoiding software logs and build errors. That's why it's going to take years to figure out where, where it is in your organization and how to get rid of it. So we know that once this happens, hackers have unfettered access, are indetectable in your systems, and have, have also been detected uh, delivering more Trojans to organizations. Now, thanks to very strong internal controls, FireEye, who is an Orion product client, was the first to detect Sunburst in December 2020. It happened when someone was using a terminated employee's credentials to access their systems, and that triggered a red alert. After analyzing 50,000 codes of li- lines of code to figure out that hap- how that might have happened, FireEye detected some suspicious code, then alerted SolarWinds and the authorities. Now, while this will not confirm, the root cause of the hack may in fact be JetBrains, a subcontractor to SolarWinds. JetBrains is an organization that was founded in the Czech Republic by three Russian engineers and has research labs in Russia. Now, JetBrains is currently under investigation, so of course none of this is confirmed. 
So the scary part about this is JetBrains is used by over 300,000 developers around the world, including SolarWinds. And according to an article I read in the New York Times, JetBrains network management software played a central role in allowing hackers into government and private networks. Now let's bring this back to third-party risk management. Now, in terms of uh, sort of how to frame this, SolarWinds is a third-party to clients uh, like FireEye, right? So they're they're directly contracted to, to to companies. And as I've already stated, FireEye is is, is a security services company. And I want to just emphasize it was their internal controls that detected the hackers, and so they are not the problem here. So for companies like FireEye, SolarWinds is a third party because there is a direct relationship. For these SolarWinds clients, the companies that SolarWinds is co- contracted with, companies like JetBrains, these are fourth parties to you or into these companies. Now, this is this is different than when your firm uh, contracts with a different service uh, solution provider that has embedded third-party solutions like uh, SolarWinds Orion product into their solution and sold it to you. When you get to there, it gets pretty complicated because SolarWinds is no longer your third party. It's your fourth party, and that makes JetBrains your fifth party. So you can see how complicated this gets very quickly. So this whole risk event helps to illustrate how difficult it is to protect your organization, but how a robust third-party risk management program can contribute to your success. So let's talk a little bit about impact and why you should care. If you've been following the story, you already know that government agencies are vital to national security and they are victims, along with the courts, 400 of the Fortune 500 companies, and an unknown number of clients for ubiquitous tech firms like Microsoft, Google, and VMware. Similar risk exposure from the same source or other sources like SolarWinds and JetBrains may already exist in other software development labs, in products, and other user environments. So I want to emphasize that SolarWinds has released patches and other defensive mas- uh, measures, and this cuts off the access points for future hacks into, your, into their software and yours, but they will not detect or remove hackers already inside your organization if it's been breached. Now, uh, I'm looking back, if you tuned into my recent RMA podcast, third-party risk management, clear, sorry, firm hands and clear heads. You'll recall that in 2008 and 2013, regulatory guidance forced the financial services sector and about 200 of the large tech firms to stand up a third-party risk management program. Then regulatory exams and their findings caused these firms to strengthen their risk insight, build a large pool of information about critical third-party relationships, how your firm is using them, and where and how they are embedded in your firm's extended enterprise. Now, you may not have been too happy about this at the time, but times change. Until now, the big change driver has been, obviously, regulations and the knock-on effects of the pandemic, which would be third parties working from home, working information about financial health for your critical third parties, and a dramatic increase in business-as-usual third-party fraud and, and cyber events. So when you step back, though, this is going to be a problem of right-sizing the work ethic. So you have risk-centric due diligence, management, and monitoring over the third parties you do business with. Done right, your firm can gain the confidence it needs in the internal controls of your third parties, including how they vet and manage their critical third parties, which I mentioned before, your, your firm's material fourth parties, which some people call subcontractors. So let's go back to my description of SolarWinds as a third, fourth, or uh, fourth party to your firms and JetBrains as a fourth or fifth party. 
There is a substantial knock-on effect, as I mentioned. If your firm is on top of the risk and controls for your critical third parties, how they identify, assess, manage to control their critical third parties, and your, which are your material fourth parties, and so on down the pipe, I think you're probably getting a picture of how to treat risk in your extended enterprise, which is in fact a very, very complex ecosystem in which your firm is just a small player regardless of your size. We know that effective third-party risk management starts at home. Knowing exactly who you're doing business with is a huge challenge because third parties are not just your vendors. They're non-vendor business relationships like your financial market intermediaries and utilities, merchant processing firms, agents, correspondent banks, banking relationship, indirect lenders, and so on. So back in 2015, I, along with other members of the RMA's third-party risk management roundtable, developed quite a comprehensive list of non-vendor relationships to translate the regulatory guidance about third parties into action. And this really complements what we already know about vendors. So if you're a member company, you can get a copy of that list from RMA. Now, getting back to third parties, they are a huge population of relationships that need to be filtered correctly so you can focus on those relationships that A, have the biggest risk impact on your firm's well-being, and B, are those that present the highest levels of risk. So when you think about this more broadly, hackivists will and do look for their weakest link, and that's in your supply chain, your services chain. This could be one of your third parties, but equally, it could be one of your, your third parties' Uh, subcontractors who are your fourth parties. And that's actually probably a little bit more like it because once you get down the pipe, it can be smaller firms. So according to what I read in the New York Times, uh, SolarWinds, which is a third or fourth party to you, have a history of weak controls, making them a pretty suitable target. So while we know it's been confirmed that the breach originated with SolarWinds Orion products, It seems that if suspicions about JetBrains are correct, one of SolarWinds' critical third parties, this is how they got into SolarWinds. So clients of SolarWinds with strong third-party risk management programs might have detected and required SolarWinds to remediate this fatal flaw in their control environment if they were really on top of a robust program. We know that financial institutions of all sizes and stripes have implemented some form of third-party risk management program. Regulatory guidance requires it, and as part of most regulatory exams, an important area of focus when examiners look at your management capabilities in your safety and soundness exam. So you are supposed to know your critical third parties and their critical third parties, because the fourth party is actually fairly clearly uh, part of a program, especially when they're delivering products or services that are implemented within your environment on your network. So we know that uh, this may include, in fact, firms that have access to your network just to implement these, and they, in fact, may be your weak link. So due diligence should have uncovered a material fourth party JetBrains in a robust program. And you should have known that SolarWinds was relied on for co-testing for their development environment. But I have to say fourth-party risk management is still pretty pretty nascent, actually, in the sector. So, But if you knew about them, simple searches would have revealed that JetBrains is an offshore company domiciled in the Czech Republic and founded by three Russians. And that probably would have set some alarm bells off. Now, if SolarWinds had been doing their homework on their critical third parties, they would have subjected JetBrains to risk-centric due diligence. In doing so, they would have determined that not only what we've already talked about, but their research lab is located in Russia. Now, does this sound a lot like the Kapersky antivirus software risk response scandal that happened a few years ago? 
This was an antivirus software developed by a Russian firm widely used in private and public sectors, uh, companies across the organization or across the world for many years before security professionals started to question the risks. So let's get back to uh, solar winds. Right now, government officials, regulators, national security agencies, senior management, risk professionals, etc., across every sector are working around the clock to try and block and tackle this solar winds breach and the knock-on effect and the, and the impact. So what can your firm do to strengthen its third-party risk management practices? Well, you might ask yourself whether regulators should expand their role in protecting the sector for systemic from systemic risks presented by tech firms, not just the top 200. Here is my top list of actions that your firm can take today to improve control. Number one, expand your third-party risk management program to identify material fourth parties. You might want to ask legal to help you define what that means, but material fourth parties are those firms that are critical third parties to the firms you do business with. Second thing, develop better standards, tools, and practices to evaluate the existence and quality of third-party risk management controls and practices implemented by the firms you do business with. And so these are really your critical third parties. You will not be able to do any due diligence on the risk and controls of the fourth parties you're not contracted with, but you have to rely on the third parties to do that for you. And that's why this needs to improve. Uh, Next thing you might want to think about is pay attention to who the company officers and directors are in those critical and material fourth parties, particularly for firms located outside of G20 type countries. This, this, you know, ask yourself, would they clear your, your firm's risk thresholds and sanctions list? Because this is another thing that's really just, I don't think it's being done particularly well for third parties and certainly not for material fourth parties. Okay, number four, strengthen risk evaluation practices for third party technologies. Too often, the work effort today is focused on functionality, fit, and security controls. But be curious about the composition of the, of the product or solution itself. Ask what tools or solutions are embedded in their solutions and then do your homework. And number five, determine which critical third parties and material fourth parties use offshore development firms. Who do they use? What do they use them for? Where are they located? And are there any red flags? Now, it has been said that the next world war will be fought in cyberspace, so are we already there? If you are interested in learning more about third-party risk management and how it is aligned with operational enterprise risk management, please read my book, Third-Party Risk Management, Driving Enterprise Value, which is published by RMA and available on Amazon. Within the next couple of months, there'll be a second edition out. It's, uh, It's in the works. You could also go to my website, Third Party Risk Institute, for information about a certified third party risk management professional, C3PRMP. It's a 10 week e learning program. And C3PRMP graduates will know a lot more about risk than when they started, even if they're already experienced. And if you're a CPA, you can earn 66 CPE credits and get the gold standard in third party risk management certifications. And if you're a third-party risk management leader yourself, consider joining RMA's third-party risk management roundtable. I know the members and I get a ton of value. So I am Linda Tuck-Chapman, and this is an RMA podcast.